The Gospel according to Luke, the 11th chapter, beginning to read at the 5th verse, and I may I remind all of you, this is the Word of God. And Jesus said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and I and my children are with me in bed. I cannot, cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Amen and Amen. Usually when this sermon is preached upon by a preacher, it has to do with the subject of prayer. But I've led, been led to believe that there is another poignant point to this parable. It's simply this, the age-old truth that oftentimes we will do things for other people that we will never do for ourselves. And that's good. We are people who oftentimes find great blessings in indirect ways. And as God word tell, God's word tells us, that if we do unto other people as we would want them to do unto us, oftentimes in the doing we find that we receive blessing. Let's take this man who had a friend who needed bread. Keep your eye on the host. Here's a man, sat down, probably read the evening news, was half asleep, just about ready to go to bed when a knock comes on the door, and here comes a friend, unexpectedly, but a friend is there, the hour's almost midnight, and this friend, he's glad to see him, but he doesn't have anything for him to eat. Now, if you have any Middle Eastern friends, or you know anything about the habits of the Middle East, you know that is a, it is a great offense, the greatest of all offenses, if you don't sit down at table with your guests and you feed them just not a peanut butter sandwich, but you give him a great big feast. 
Anyone who does not do that and is a Middle Easterner really offends the laws of God, man, and hospitality. So immediately our guest goes running around trying to find some food. He goes to the cupboard, it's bare. He goes to the storehouse, it's empty. There's no open pantry for him to go out and buy something. The stores are closed. What is he going to do? He has a friend who needs bread. Now, I suggest to you from the teaching of God's Word, this provided the potential for a blessing for the host. Look at the blessings that God was able to send to this man because he had a friend who needed bread. One, because he had a friend who needed bread, this host received the great blessing of unselfishness. Unselfishness, perhaps the greatest blessing of all of life. Oh, if we could only become a people, a community that practices unselfishness. But it's so hard, isn't it? It's so easy to be worried about number one first. I'm fully convinced, as a counselor, the biggest problem in the world stems from selfishness. Oh, if we could only become more unselfish, believe me, the problems in today's world and in your homes and in the community would drop away like dead flies. We perpetuate them with our selfishness. Of course, the Bible tells us this. I believe selfishness is the root of all sin. I get that from Genesis 3. And what really brings unhappiness is selfishness. What makes us harmful to ourselves and each other and less than what God created us to be is our selfishness. The whole motif of Christian theology is, you know, you must die to self and be raised with the selfless one, Jesus Christ. And when you follow his teachings, that is when you are born anew and you become the loving, creative, liberated, powerful, unselfish person God meant you to be when he placed you in your mother's womb. But selfishness, oh, it's so natural for me to think about me first. See, that, that's why we call it the original sin, because it's with all of us. It's just nature to be selfish. And selfishness is so doggone hard to detect sometimes in ourselves. Oh, you see my selfishness, and believe me, I see your selfishness, but I can't see my selfishness just as you can't see your selfishness. Very difficult, difficult to see. And, and what's more, the answer to how you get rid of it is so simple that sometimes we miss it. The quickest, the easiest, the fastest way for you to become unselfish is to think about somebody else. 
And you see, that is the blessing that came to this man when he realized he had a friend who needed bread. He became concerned about his friend. And he was blessed with unselfishness. Blessing two, because he had a friend who needed bread. He was blessed with courage. Courage! That thing that every young man wants, and I think every woman too, to be courageous. And you see, that's what this man became. Because he had a friend who needed bread. Do you realize, just, just move the clock back a little bit, it's 11.15, here he is, he, he's still in his home, the friend hasn't come yet, but the cupboard is still bare, the storehouse is empty, but the man is very content. Oh, he may be a little hungry, but he would never think of going next door and waking up his neighbor and say, hey, I'm hungry, can you spare a sandwich or a loaf of bread? Oh, he'd never do that. My, I'd rather die than go and bother my friend next door. But because he has a friend who needs bread, look out. He runs out the front door, he goes next door, and he has the courage of a tiger, and he knocks. He says, friend, I need bread. Oh, very courageous. It's surprising when you have a friend who needs bread, what you will do in contacting other friends. I find that in my own life. I'm a person who has back trouble. I don't know if you ever knew that. Sometimes I have real bad back trouble. I, I have a yellow strip about that wide that goes right down the back. Yeah, I, I have no desire to be brave <laughs> or to express a lot of courage. Sometimes I, I like to stick my head in the sand and, and forget that Courage is necessary. And you can offend me, you can talk about me, you can, you know, you do all sorts of things against me. And, and I try to practice the teachings of Christ, and I'll turn the other face. And really, you can't offend me to the place when you personally attack me where I become real testy. But you offend my friend. And suddenly I become ten feet tall. You pick on somebody who is my friend, who is in need. And brother, the little lamb becomes a lion. And I'm no different from you. You're the same way. You'll take an awful lot yourself. You wouldn't think of, of making a personal issue. But when a friend needs bread, Look out! You see, one of the great stories that came out of the tragedy of, of Johnstown and the recent flood, and some of you were the courageous ones, with your time, with your billfolds, with your prayers. Some of you left here, went up there, helped to dig. Some of you husbands won't even do it around your own house. But you had the courage of God. Because some friends needed bread. That's a blessing, you see, not only to the recipient, but to the giver as well.
victory because he had a friend who needed bread. He became filled with shamelessness. Shamelessness. Now that's a word we Presbyterians don't like. We're so proud and proper. We don't like to associate with those people who who, who express their religion and get excited. And, uh, we, 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 we just don't like to be too expressive. That's too bad. That's why so many of the young people today are, are, are looking for what we call liberated theology. They want to be free. God created all of us to be free. We can still be dignified, but still be free and express ourselves. And a good way to receive that blessing is when you become concerned about your friend who needs bread. Look at our hero in the story. He would not be disappointed. He would not be deterred. He persistently, not just knocked at the door, he pounded on the door. And when the man inside said, get away, I'm not going to get you anything, the man became all the more a pest. And shamelessly, he begged. That's great. Oh, if we only had the shamelessness to be able to beg, not for ourselves, that's too hard to do. But we can do it when our brother needs bread. Back in June, I had the distinct pleasure and privilege of being invited to be the speaker at Founders Day at St. Barnabas Home, that, that great home of healing and helpfulness over on Meridian Road that's been in our community for so many years. And in the process, I had to do a lot of homework, research on, on the brother founder, Gubernur Hotz. And I had an interview with, with Brother George McCormick, the last of the brothers of that great organization that brought so much healing and help to the world. And I learned a lot about the little man, Gubernur Hans, brother founder. What a man. And though he was not large in stature, he looked upon himself as a beggar. And before this man came to our community, and his influence still lingers as well as his name in our hills that comprise our community, he had a home in another part of our city of Pittsburgh, and he had to go out and beg for food for these homeless and helpless men. And he was down on 3rd Street, downtown Pittsburgh, going from shop to shop, asking each one of the keepers of the inns to, to contribute to his cause. And he went into a butcher shop, I understand, one day on 3rd Avenue, and there behind the counter was the typical big, big, big butcher. And when little brother founder Hans told him of his request, the butcher was not too cooperative. And he looked down at brother founder and he said, look, he says, why don't you work like the rest of us? Quit begging, get a job. And I guess the little brother founder went to him nose to nose. And he said, look, brother, he said, I've never cut meat before in my life. But take off that apron and I'll put it on. You take my basket and you go out to beg and let's see who works the hardest. The butcher didn't take him up on the offer. 
that Brother Hans left the butcher shop with an eight-pound roast. Oh, if we only in this sophisticated age had that spirit of shamelessness. How did Paul put it? We're to become fools for Christ's sake. And that comes. The church can't get along without it. When you and I have a friend who needs bread. Blessing four. Because he had a friend who needed bread, he had that unique ability to get other people involved, enlisted in a program of help. That's a gift, you know. I don't know how many of you have ever tried to get other people excited, ribbed up, going on a project. Very difficult to do. The easiest way you can do it and attain that talent is by getting people involved in a common project of somebody who needs something. Now let's just look at this and, and, and change our looking at, at the host to the man who lived next door and who heard the door being knocked upon at, at midnight. Who's there? I need bread. I need bread. Somebody stopped in without writing a letter telling me he's coming. It's, he's unexpected. I don't have anything. Help me, brother. Help me. I can't help you. I'm in bed and I have everybody with me here. And you have to understand this because, you see, in the, in the New Testament homes, people didn't sleep in beds. They slept in communities. They slept with the dogs and the cats and the chickens and, and the goats. And, oh, my, what a time they must have had. And, and this is the way they kept warm. I can't get up and disturb this whole community around me. Please, brother, get up. I demand you help me. We can almost see that poor guy getting up off of the floor, grumbling. I hope he didn't swear, but probably tripping over chickens and children. He went and he tried to find the bread box and then uh, juggling a, a loaf of bread or two or three, as the request was, and, and trying to unlock the door, probably dropping a loaf of bread, stubbing his toe. That's not on his wife's bread. He probably did that on the door still. He... He opened the door, he said, here, take it and get away. Now the Bible doesn't tell us, but I think I know what happened to that man on the way back to his sleep. He probably walked a little lighter. He probably slept much better the rest of the night. He had a smile on his heart. Because though he grumpily and really didn't want to, he acquiesced to the request. And he had a peace. See what happened? He helped a friend who needed bread, who was trying to help a friend who needed bread. Get the contagion? Those of us on your church staff, we understand this very well, because our job, you see, is not just to lead in worship, not just to be a priest, but we're here to help people who need bread, and we can't do it without friends like you. And we come to you and ask not for ourselves, but for our friends. And some of you hate to see us come. We phone. We plead. We prod. Yes, we even put you on the spot. We refuse to be put off ourselves. Some of you think we hound you too much. 
And many times, the reasons you give, wow, I wish you'd hear them. They're not reasons, they're excuses. But when you do acquiesce and answer, grumbling, moaning, complaining, you're thrilled inside because you're helping a friend who needs bread, who's trying to help a friend who needs bread. The next blessing, because he had a friend who needed bread and tried to do something about it, he was successful. He accomplished his task. He was successful, and I use that word in the good New Testament idea. You see, today amongst our young people, and some who are not so young, success is looked upon as a dirty word, and I don't know where they get that concept. I guess it's from the psychology of the day, but believe me, it's not from the theology of eternity. God created you to accomplish, yes, to be successful. God does not create junk. And I believe it was the great late Ethel Waters who said, God don't sponsor no flops either. Remember that and don't let anybody ever tell you differently. The problem of mediocrity in this world today has come from these teachings that you don't have to be successful. Don't believe that. If you read the Gospels, Jesus expects us to produce fruit, good fruit. And that's what this man did. He was successful. And he was successful, though, you see, even before he left home and went next door. You get the feeling that man, because he had a friend who needed bread, he was going to get him bread, no matter what. And if he didn't get it at this house, he didn't get it at that house. He was going to succeed. And by golly, he did. And that's a blessing. Just suppose, just suppose that host would have said, Hey, brother, I'm sorry. Got nothing. It's a shame. You go to bed, I'll go to bed. First thing in the morning, I'll go to the first door that opens. If he had done that, the friend would have gone to bed hungry, and this man would have gone to bed, but he'd never have slept. He'd have tossed all night feeling guilty, feeling unsuccessful, feeling that he was a total failure. It was horrible. But he went and got him bread, and he succeeded in doing that. And not only the friend ate, but the host ate as well. And I don't know what time they went to bed, probably early in the morning, but they both went to bed satisfied because the man had been fed and the host had been filled with the blessings of unselfishness, courage, shamelessness, the ability of getting other people involved, which is unique in itself, success. He'd been filled. That's the greatest blessing. Ladies and gentlemen, there are a lot of people out there who are hungry and who need bread. Some physical bread, others spiritual bread, others types of bread. And there are friends. Bring them to the Spiritual Life Conference. Go to them. Do what you can. And you'll find that if you go with the right attitude, they will be filled. And don't be surprised if you don't become full of the Holy, Holy Spirit.
If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give His Holy Spirit unto you who ask Him? And the best way I know to ask Him is to see that friend who needs bread. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, you fed us with life. You feed us with your word. Help us to feed the world, the people who are the friends of God. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide not only upon you who give, but those who receive, which in thy name we give. Amen.